Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this evening? Amen. Praise God. Well, we want to welcome everyone out. Amen. Just stay encouraged. Keep inviting people. Amen. Glory to God. We see the place full. The vision demands it. Hallelujah. Well, this evening uh, we uh, are going to, uh, we want to be sure uh, throughout the rest of the week, just when you're praying, remember they've got Kingdom Campaign going on down in St. Uh, Augustine uh, this week. Um, look for those podcasts. Those will be up because it's a word in due season. Amen for this body. Amen. And uh, tonight we're going to continue. We're on part three of a series that we're teaching called Exercising Authority. Amen. So uh, let's pray. Let's get into the word this evening. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And Father God, we thank you for the precious, holy, written word of God. Father, we thank you for the privilege. Lord, it's a privilege uh, to be able to study your word, to be taught your word, to learn the things of God. And so, Father, uh, we just ask you right now, Lord, that you would give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, Father, that we might know what is the hope of uh, the calling, Lord, the glory of the riches of the inheritance of the saints, Father, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe. Father God, we ask you that you would just help the people to prepare their hearts to be good ground that receives the seed of the word that brings forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And we thank you, Lord, that you confirm your word with signs following in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Like I said, this evening we're continuing. We're on part three uh, of the series Exercising Authority. And tonight we're going to look at exercising authority over the devil and demons. And I want to say this, you know, I remember back when I grew up in uh, the denominational church that I grew up in is, um, and, I, and I would dare say that it seems like it's this way for a lot of churches. You start talking about the devil and demons and demon, and demon spirit activity, it's almost like, you know, people kind of start looking at you like, yeah, there's a demon, yeah, right. You know, they start looking at you like, uh, you know, you're a little touched in the head because you believe in demonic spirits. And, th- and this is the thing, you know, and, I, and I asked this question when I was you know, teaching in the denom- denominational church that I grew up in. I said, you know, I said, how come people, we say that we're believers, we say we're Christians, if, if you, there's something wrong, you say, do you believe in the Holy Ghost? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Okay, so you say you believe in the Holy Spirit, but you act like you're kind of skeptical when someone starts talking about demon activity. Because the Bible talks, you know, we understand there's the devil, and when we say the devil, we're talking about uh, Lucifer uh, in particular. Uh, you know, the Bible you know, calls him Satan, which the word Satan it literally means the adversary or the enemy. And we know we can look in the Bible and find that, uh, that, that Lucifer... Uh, is who we call the devil or Satan now. He, he was at one time, he was a cherub. He was an angel in heaven. And so, you know, the, the Satan is not his name. It's, his title. it's a lot like God. God's not his name. God is his title. God is who he is. And we know if we look to the Old Testament, the Old Testament, uh, you know, depending on people's pronunciation, it's, it's Yahweh or Jehovah is God's name. And so we know that, the, and so that God is really his title, who he is. Satan means adversary or enemy. Uh, but if we believe that there is a Holy Spirit, you, know, we, you, have, the, you have the devil, then you have uh, demons or demon spirits. Other places in the Bible call them unclean spirits. And uh, so if, if we really believe 
and this is and this is the uh, this is the the question that I had even back then was if you genuinely believe there's a Holy Spirit, how can you be skeptical to believe there's unclean spirits that there's demon spirits? So it's it's one or the other. You know, if you don't believe in the one, how can you believe? If you do believe in the one, how can you not believe in the other? If you don't believe in the one, do you really believe in the other? So, so this is the thing. If there is a Holy Spirit, then there has that the Bible teaches about. Then there has to be unclean spirits. There has to be the devil. When you understand, there's a hierarchy when the Bible Bible talks about, and we'll look at something in one of the scriptures. Uh, just like in the Godhead, you know, we've been talking about authority. Just like in the Godhead, there is an order of rank. God the Father and, and Jesus Christ the Son and the Holy Ghost, they're both submitted to the will of the Father. Um, and we understand that God places position of authority in the church. And you understand this, is, and we've said this before, that it doesn't mean that a, that a pastor or an apostle or a, or a prophet or a teacher or evangelist that Jesus said, you know, you're not supposed to be like the Gentiles in the kingdom. We're not like the Gentiles where Gentiles lord their authority over someone. It's that you lead, that you lead by example and that people follow by an act of their will to be submitted. Amen? And so just like there is a rank and there is an authority in, in the kingdom of heaven and in the things of God, there's a rank and there is authority. And we understand that, that, that Satan or Lucifer, you know, he is, he, the Bible calls him, the God of this world, sit of this world, and calls him the Prince of the Power of the Air, and we understand there are demon spirits who are submitted to him and work alongside with him. And you know, just like we say that angelic beings, uh, you know, can be in a place and they're invisible to your natural eye, you know, unless there would be a gift of the Spirit in, in, in manifestation, or or they would reveal themselves visibly. We've said this word. There could be. Uh, angels in this room right now. Now, I'm not going to say there could be demons in here right now because I take authority in this place and I command any unclean spirit that it has to go. Amen. I believe this, that if people come in this door and there is a, an unclean spirit that's on them and an oppressive spirit, it has to stop at the edge of the property. Now, can, now they can get delivered from it while they're here, but when they come in this place, it's going to break off of them and it might wait out at the road and get back on them when they go but it's going to break off when they come here because it has no authority in this place. Amen? And so uh, we're looking at, uh, you understand, so there is this real world. There, you know, we talk about real world. You understand this, you know, the unseen, do we have a T-shirt that says something like this? Is there a scripture that says something like this? Is that while we, not, while we look not at the seen things, for the seen things are temporary, but the unseen things are eternal. Okay, so there is this whole unseen realm that's going on. That, that spiritually, and, and this is what we said, and I've used this example before, but it bears repetition to get this through, through to you, is that just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not there. We've, you know, you've all, we've probably all seen or, or, or heard of the movie, you know, The Invisible Man. Or you, you watch your sci-fi movies and they got cloaking devices that they can make their ships invisible. Well, that doesn't mean it's not there. It just means it can't be observed with the natural eye. Uh, in... in the, the uh, technology that we have available today. You know, uh, we have helicopters. We have planes. They call them stealth helicopters, stealth airplanes that make these vehicles invisible to traditional uh, detection devices, radar. They can't see them on radar, but that doesn't mean it's not there. It just means they can't be perceived that, they, that there is no technology available 
that can perceive its presence. Well, you understand that just like that, that you know, if we call it the spirit realm, well, let's just call it the unseen realm. In the unseen realm, there is on this earth, there there is a whole environment going on around us that your natural eyes do not have the capacity to uh, detect. Um, we've shared this before: is that you know, scientists will tell you if you look at the spectrum of light. I remember in my biology class in college that the professor said. This is the, the spectrum of light. It may have been environmental science class. One of my science classes. That, you know, we had this graph that it was light. And you know, on one end you had infrared. On the other end of the spectrum you had ultraviolet. But right in the middle of that you had a little sliver of light that, was, that they called visible light because it was what your eyes could perceive. And so you understand that... Um, there's, so that means, and, and our professor pointed this out to us. He said, so you realize this means there, can, there could be beings in a, in a room or on the earth that they only reflect a type of light that is outside the capacity of the human eye to perceive. And they're there, we just lack the ability to see it. And so you understand that there are demon spirits and, but this is the thing, you know, don't fall into the trap. Too many believers go, oh, demons. And, and it's almost comical if you've ever seen, I know none of us, right, would do this now, right, watch movies with, you know, Jason and Freddy and, all, you know, the exorcist and all this stuff. But it's funny, you know, think way back, man, to your B.C. days, your before Christ days, or your baby Christian days even, right? Because B.C. could be before Christ or baby Christian, right? That you would allow yourself to be entertained by stuff that. Did you ever once see Hollywood portray demons or the devil as weak, as feeble, or as being scared of, of men? No. The portrayal of the world is always going to be, oh, the big bad devil, and the weak, wimpy little people. Oh, and it's so funny. You know, there's one particular, you know, guy that, you know, when I was a teenager, I used to uh, to read some of his books and, and and like some of the movies. You know, Stephen King. He used and man, he'd make these, you know, really demonically influenced books. And he always had to take a gouge at the priest, at the little preacher man. The preacher man was either a hypocrite, he's a closet drunk, or uh, you know, uh, you know, a sexual pervert, uh, or he was a hypocrite, or he, or, or when the monster showed up, he was the first one to wet his pants and run down the road. Why? Because the big bad demon showed up. The big bad devil showed up. big bad monster showed up. And so there's this portrayal, and you understand that, man, uh, image is everything, right? The devil wants to portray, to portray his self and demons as, man, we big and we bad, and you little old wimpy Christians, man, you better, man, you better hope I don't show up. You better hope the devil don't show up and say, boo. And the sad truth is, is that there's too many churches and too many believers that if the devil did show up or if a demon manifested and hollered boo, you know, everybody would have to grab a Depends undergarment and head for the door, right? And how many of you know that's not the way it is? We, we want to look at the Bible because remember, we've, we taught this. What's the, and I, I want to keep this before you. Keep this fresh in your What is the goal and the purpose of a disciple? To become just like the master. Amen? And so if we are, the Bible says we are to be disciples, so if we want to look and see how did Jesus, how did he uh, exercise, how did Jesus uh, 
what was his reaction? How did he behave toward demons and to the devil? How, how did he address them? How did he handle them? How did he exercise his authority? Amen? And so the first thing that we want to do is, uh, you know, we'll just remind you of the key texts that we have. I've added one actually this week for us. Okay, you know, Genesis 1.28, you don't have to turn there. But we know, what do we call this? We call this the Dominion Commission where God said, let us create man, let us make him in our image and after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the earth, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, let him have dominion over all the works. And I believe it's Psalms, is it Psalms 8? says that God gave man dominion over all the works of his hand. So God created man, and that we understand that dominion also, uh, it, that a prerequisite to having dominion is you have to have authority over something, right? Um, Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20, we know that Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, or because I have been given the authority in heaven and on earth, you go, therefore, right? Now, we, let's look at, uh, Mark, we actually do want to take a look at this one. Look at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And we'll look at uh, verse 18. Real quick, I want to give you this, because some of you, if you have study Bibles, and we know that you're reading your study Bibles, you're reading your Bible, we're students of the Word, right? Because we're going to be like the Bereans. We're going to be more noble than the Thessalonians because the Bereans daily searched the Scriptures to see if the things they were being taught were so. And I like to put this out there for you because hey, how many of you got one of those little Bibles and it'll say a little note and it'll say something like, like here's mine uh, in Mark 16, verses 9 through 20. Uh, mine has a little mark beside of it. And it said, the notes in my Bible says, um, uh, verses 9 through 20 are bracketed in the NU and are not in the original text. Did you say it too? So, and you know, it's funny because, you know, um, these whole verses here, verses 9 through 20, it was just a Pentecostal conspiracy to get that included in the King James Version of the Bible. Back in 1611, you know, the Pen there was a great Pentecostal conspiracy theory to put these in. Now, the NU, I, I can't remember. It, it, uh, it, it means certain, certain uh, of the original text of the Bible. And that's what you'll find. And so, I, and so I want to address this because, understand this, there ain't any notes in any study Bible that carries the same authority as the words itself. Okay? Don't fall into that trick because... You know, some translations are in some some of the notes that that are put in commentaries are notorious for they have a a terrible denominational slant or or a type of persuasion. I do want to give you this though, and you can write this down. And I'd write this down in your Bible if you've got a study Bible that it says that. Um, Mark 16 verses 9 through 20 are only missing in two ancient. They're missing in two of the ancient manuscripts. Okay. Um, I think it's funny because it says they are lacking in the Codex Sinaiticus and the uh, and the Codex Vaticanus, uh, although nearly all other uh, messages of Mark contain them. Okay. Um, it, it says, well, I, I, it says, it says they're just missing in two texts. The verses Mark uh, Mark 16 verses 9 through 20 are missing in two ancient manuscripts. Okay, now. This is something else for you. But, so they're missing in two. They've got, because you understand, there are 
uh, ancient copies of, of, the, of, the, of the scriptures that we have. Two of the ancient scripture uh, texts that we have do not have these verses. Anyone care to take a wild guess? Um, they're real old, and they're at the end of the book. Do you think that maybe over time, stuff in the front, stuff in the end of something may deteriorate? Okay. They don't appear in two, but they are in 618 other original manuscripts. So, I don't know, maybe I think too much, but I'm thinking, why would you even mention that if I said, um, if I said, man, um, I've had two really bad meals that my wife has fixed in the past ten years that we've been married. They, man, my wife made two really sorry meals while in the past ten years. And you'd say, well, dear Lord, how many good ones has she made? We can tell by looking at you, you ain't starving to death, brother. Come on now. Right? My point is, it's, it, it's ridiculous to say two of them don't have it when there's 618 others that do. Okay? So don't get thrown off when you're reading. When you're reading, you're studying your Bible, don't let, you know, don't let stuff like that dissuade you. But anyway, uh, Matthew 16, 18, 16, I'm going to start with 15. This is actually Mark's account of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. It says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. Uh, and, and you understand this, even punctuation of Scripture is not included there. Because if you read this by the the, the the punctuation, it'll say, these signs will follow those who believe uh, in my name. Okay? But it could say, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll do this. And you understand this. This word name, it literally means name, but in, in the figurative use of this word in the language, it means uh, authority or character. And we're talking about authority, right? So Jesus... We're talking Matthew 28, Mark 16. Jesus is saying, I've got the authority. Now you go in my authority. He says, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name or in my authority, they will cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Okay, there's a whole lot right there. Amen, that great Pentecostal conspiracy back in 1611, right? So anyway... If we want to take a look at this, is it says that these, one of the signs that will follow those who believe in Jesus' name or who believe in Jesus' authority and character is that they will cast out demons. Okay? That word uh, cast out, I just want to take a, uh, a look at that. That word cast, um, it means to bring forth, to cast forth, to cast out, to drive out, to expel, to leave, to pluck, to pull, to take, to thrust out, to put forth out, to send away uh, from. And, and what I want you to see there is is that can you see the uh, that there's a that those words carry a an in, implication of force. That there's, power, that there's power to it. These signs are going to follow those who believe in my authority and my name. In other words, you're going to exercise force and power over demonic spirits. You're going, you are, they, the people that believe in Jesus' name and his authority, they're going to have authority over unclean spirits. Right? Now, let's, 
just quickly for review, the first lesson we talked about defining what authority was. We were introducing a new term. We wanted to make sure we're all on the same page. And we understand this is that, remember, authority and power are not the same thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Authority is the right to use power. And, and we've used the example because you really can't think of a, of a better example, really, than a police officer. I mean, we all saw the police officer here this evening before service started. Well, you understand that when he came in, besides the fact that the dude's big, right, he's probably got a 50-inch chest, and then he's wearing a pulpproof vest over top of that, right? He's a, he's a big dude. Did you notice that the two things that catch your attention the most was the fact he's got this big gold-colored shield on his uniform, and he's got this big old gun on his side. He's packing a Glock. I it's probably a 45. I didn't ask him. Big old boy like him, he's probably packing a 45, not a 9, right? But you understand that using that police officer as an example, the badge represents his authority. That badge says, I have been given authority to act on behalf of the city of, of Remerton to enforce the law. I have authority. I'm authorized to do. I have the right to use of power. Right? What powers is he using? He's using the civil power of the, of the city of, of Remerton. Now, that gun is, is the uh, uh, dunamis. Because the Bible, in the Greek, we see authority is translated power someplace. But it's actually the word exousia. And exousia means authority. But Jesus said... Uh, he said, I, all exousia in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore. But then Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 2, he said, go tarry in Jerusalem, talking about waiting for the Holy Ghost to come. He said, you shall receive power. That's dunamis after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And that's literally that word dunamis means miraculous force. Or it's the power. And so what we said was, is that authority is the right to use power. And it's always from someone higher up. Remember, Pilate told Jesus, don't you know I have the power to release you if I want to? And Jesus said, you ain't got no power over me except it's given to you from above. And he was not talking about God the Father. He was talking about someone of higher rank gave you authority. So authority is the right to use the power of someone. And it's always from someone else. Authority is always given from someone of higher position. Uh, the... Uh, Dunamis is the ability or the power. So the badge represents the exousia, authority, and the gun is dunamis, the power to back it up. If he says stop in the name of the law and you don't, then he can resort to dunamis, right? He can use power. So we've defined terms, that, and, we, and one of the things we saw was, is that authority always flows from someone of higher rank to someone of lower rank. But the cool thing about authority is is that the per, as long as you are submitted to the one that gave you the authority, you walk in the same authority that they do. Okay? And that means that, and, and that they, make their, they make their dunamis available to you. Okay? And then so, uh, you know, we looked at that last week. We looked at the prerequisite to walking in authority. Because you start talking about authority, man, especially in charismatic churches, man, Woo! Man, people get jacked. Give me some authority up over that devil. Give me some authority over... Because you understand, you have authority over the devil and sickness and disease. You have authority over sickness. You have authority uh, over uh, poverty, lack, and, and sickness. Uh, and you have poverty, lack, and want. You've got authority over those things. Because you understand this. I'll give you this. You just make a note of this. 
you can anything that Jesus exercised authority over on the earth, believers can exercise authority over. Amen. If Jesus didn't have authority over it, well, say, well, what didn't Jesus have authority over? Over people's will, right? Jesus never forced any. Jesus couldn't force anybody to do something against their will. But anything that Jesus, because remember, if you're going to be a disciple, the intention is to be just like the Master. So anything you can find in Scripture that Jesus spoke to and had authority over, his intention is that we as believers, we have authority over that also. Okay? And so we looked at last week, the prerequisite of operating in authority is you've got to be submitted. You have got to be submitted because this is the thing. You know, if you're in the military and you take off and you want to go do your own thing, guess what? Military uh, Guys that are in the military, if they go AWOL, guess what? They can send other people, they can send other soldiers after them. Do you know that if, a, if, a, uh, if someone is an officer and they're guilty of insubordination or AWOL, being absent without leave, they can actually send someone of lower rank to take them into custody. Why? Because they have... They have cast off their submission to their superiors, and therefore they don't have the authority anymore. You know that a that a private could arrest a general that has uh, that has uh, been guilty of committing insubordination, because once that general bucks, his, you know, cast, casts off his submission to his superior officers, he's no longer under authority, and he can't exercise it anymore. So, you know, we spent a lot of time last week talking and looking at stuff in the Scripture to demonstrate that the prerequisite, if we want to walk in this thing called authority, if we want to speak the mountains and watch it move, if we want to speak the sickness and watch it go, if we want to speak to our circumstances God's Word, because you don't speak your own thing, because where the Word of the King is, there's power. But if we want to speak God's Word to stuff <coughs> and expect to see circumstances change, then we can't be guilty of insubordination or going AWOL, right? Amen? And so this evening we're looking at authority specifically over devil, the devil and demons. I want to give you some instances real quick, and we may not look at them all. Amen? But um, I'm gonna, I'll want to. i tell you about this. Turn to Matthew chapter 33, uh, 9. Matthew 9. And we're going to look at verse uh, around verse 33. And uh, if you're taking notes, you can also find this in Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 14. Um, 9.33. Uh, then Jesus went about... Uh, let me see. Is that right? No, that's not right. Let me, let me turn to Luke real quick. Luke 11. I've got the wrong reference here. Luke 11. And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. Um, but some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Um, others, testing him, sought him, uh, uh, sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself falls. If Satan's divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. Anyway, Jesus, in this instance, Jesus spoke to a mute man. He, and notice this, because we're not just looking at what he did, but how did he do it? You see, this, this man was mute. He couldn't speak. Jesus spoke to the demon and cast it out of the man, and the man had healing because 
uh, this was a physical manifestation uh, of a demonic oppression in his body, right? How many of you know that, that a person, it's so funny, me and Pastor Marcus were having this conversation uh, just briefly this morning uh, together, is that he heard somebody make a comment that every, t- that every particular type, and I'm going to tell you what it was, of sickness that somebody suffered, it was always a demon. And, uh, you know, that's not always the case. Sometimes it's just a, a physical, and you understand all sickness originates from the devil, right? It, all sickness originates from the devil. But sometimes a person can have, um, there can be a demon afflicting you, and you can be born again. You can be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and if it is a demon and it's not in your spirit, but if it's in your body, it can, it can afflict your body and it can manifest uh, signs of sickness and disease. Say, well, you know, how do you know when you're ministering healing to someone, you're laying hands on someone, whether it's a demon or not? Well, you know, you may have a gift of the Spirit in operation where the Holy Ghost says there's a, there's, a, there's a demon spirit that you need to address before the healing can take place. Or, you know, other than that, you just lay hands on people in the name of Jesus and you believe God for healing, right? But sometimes the Holy Spirit, you can, I've been in situations before where the Holy Spirit spoke to me, said, you know, it's a demon, there's a demon spirit at the root of it. And I've not even had to say anything, you know, out for the whole congregation today. Just say, in the name of Jesus, you'll have to go. And you address that, and then you can lay hands on someone, and you can minister healing to that person. But Jesus spoke to it. I'm just going to give you some other uh, references. Matthew 12, 22 through 29. Uh, the blind and mute that had a demon. And uh, Jesus took authority over the demons, spoke to them, and commanded them to go. Matthew seventeen eighteen, and Luke nine forty two, the story of the man who brought his son to Jesus. Remember this story: the, uh, the man brought his son to Jesus, and uh, the son was having uh, the symptoms were of epileptic seizure. And again, this is the thing where you don't want to assume that everybody that has. We are not saying that everyone that has epilepsy has a demon that's causing it. But in this particular this particular example we see in the Bible, epileptic seizures, it was caused by a demon. And so Jesus uh, commanded the demon to come out, and the boy was delivered. Once the demon uh, spirit was removed from him, his healing manifested. Amen. Um, Mark chapter seven. Now this is something. Let's go ahead and let's look at Mark chapter seven. I want us to take a look at this one. These other examples that we've looked at, the mute man that had the demon, the blind and mute that had the demon, the man with the epileptic son, Jesus was actually there speaking to the person who had the demon. Now remember, we're looking at because the goal of the disciple is to become just like the master. We want to do things just the way the master does it. And, and, we, and if, we will, if we will behave just like the master, do it the way the master did, we'll get the master's results, right? Uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 26. And the reason I want to look at this, this is different. Uh, actually, verse 24. For there, uh, From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted uh, no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. And the woman was Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. 
But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For this saying, Go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Now there's a couple of things you know that we want to look at here is, you understand, first of all, it doesn't say demon, but it says unclean spirit. And I'll just say this, just so you could, you know, this won't cost you anything extra. I have met people before that I'm absolutely certain were, were operating under demonic oppression. They were maybe even fully demon-possessed. They'd opened themselves up to demonic influence, demonic oppression in their life. And sometimes they will be the most nasty, unkept, smelly, slot. you go to their houses, their house looks like, I'm convinced half these people you see on the, that show, Hoarders, I think they got an unclean spirit. I'm serious. Something something is wrong with you. you go, because, I mean, it's called an unclean spirit for a reason. I mean, it pollutes the person, but then that's going to manifest on their personal hygiene, how they live. So, uh, you know, this girl, she had an unclean spirit. And so I, I tell you that because that might just be something. I mean, I don't think just because somebody's a slob, they got a devil, you know. Nicky, don't be going home saying, looking at Jimmy going, in the name of Jesus, you come out, you unclean spirit, because he leaves his socks or underwear on the floor, okay? Don't be doing that, right? Um, but what I, want us to, what I want us to see in this, though, is, is that uh, in the other examples that we looked at, Jesus, it was just like, here I am, like say, like say Jimmy had an unclean spirit, and I'm Jesus, and I say, I say come, come out of him and leave, leave him and don't come back. Where Jesus is speaking right to the person that had it. Well, you see this other example here. This woman came, and from the, the account that you read, her daughter ain't with her. Her daughter is at home. This uh, uh, woman comes to Jesus, and she's beseeching Jesus, please, Jesus, you know, cast the demon out of my daughter. And, this, and, and what I want us to see is significant from this is that Jesus didn't even have to be in the girl's presence for him to speak and release his authority. Because you understand this, the mother... And this, this is something I just don't know if we're going to have time. You have authority over your household. Jimmy has spiritual authority over his house. Jimmy doesn't have spiritual authority over my house or my children. It's over his. Jimmy, Jimmy has spiritual authority over himself, over his home, over his wife and children because God has placed him in the home as the spirit, and the intention is for him to be the spiritual head of his home. And so, but he can't exercise authority over my children, his spiritual authority over my home. Well, you understand that this woman, her daughter was still in her home. She had authority over, she had the right to have authority over her daughter. And this woman goes to Jesus, and she's making her request known. And in faith, she's coming to Jesus saying, cast the demon out of my daughter. So at that point, this woman is granting Jesus the right of authority to speak to her situation. And, but notice this, he's not even physically in the presence of the girl that has the demon possession. Jesus says, the mama comes, my daughter's uh, possessed of a demon. Uh, you know, so what I'm saying is, it's, don't limit it to you have to be in, in someone's house. You know? um, I'll say this, and this is really operating over an area of faith. Just say your child is at a grandparent's house a couple hours away spending some time. If, if, if Jimmy let Lexi go to his mama's house and stay, and Jimmy's mama calls and says, oh, Lexi's horrible sick, you know, you're going to have to come get her. Well, you might go ahead and drive on down and get her because it's your child and you love her, and that's the perfectly normal response. Or you might say, you know what, I'm going to pray for her. I'll call you back in an hour 
And if she's not doing better, I'm going to come away. And Jimmy could hang up the phone and go, Father, in the name of Jesus, that's my child. And, and I, right now I curse sickness in Jesus' name. And I command sickness to get, off, to get off of her and to leave her. And I speak healing to her body and healing to all her flesh in the name of Jesus. And he's not no place near. She's a couple hour drive away. But because he knows his authority and he steps out on faith and acts on that authority and speaks, he may not. He may call back in an hour and, and her mom will go, oh, you know, man, she's doing great. She's running around now. He's acting like nothing in the world's even wrong. So we see that when you, you can exercise authority, and we're looking at particularly exercising authority over uh, demonic spirits, that you don't even have to be in proximity of the person. If they're under your authority, you can exercise it, and they can, and they can be out. They can be out in a way. Um, but anyway, the Seraphonician woman, Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 20. And Luke 4.33 tells the story of a man who was in the synagogue and he had an unclean spirit. He was demon-possessed. Isn't it funny that they go to church and they find a demon-possessed people? I'll tell you this. Don't think just because you come to church that there ain't witchcraft and demon activity and demon activity going on in the church. Amen? Some churches, there's more unclean spirit. There's, there's, there's some moves of the spirit, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. Right? So here it is. Jesus is going to the synagogue, and this man's demon-possessed in the synagogue, and he starts crying out when Jesus comes near him. Now notice this. When Jesus comes around in, in spirits, they start screaming out, Oh, have mercy on us. Don't, don't cast us into the abyss. Oh, don't punish us now, Jesus. Oh, you, thou, thou Son of God, have mercy on us. You know, these demons, they, they come running. Now, does that look like the picture that Hollywood wants to paint? You know, if, if Hollywood did it, well, you know, Hollywood did it, right? You know, the, you know, the movie The Exorcist, you know, the little old wimpy, that uh, priest comes in, uh, 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 Mr. Demon, in Jesus' name, do you want to go? And the girl, you know, she spins her head around, you know, like a little demonic Chucky doll and pukes pea soup all over him or something like that and beats him up, right? The big bad demon. That's how Hollywood would do it, you know? But, in, but what does the Scripture say? Scripture says, man, people with demons would come running before Jesus and fall down and the demons would be trembling like little whipped pups begging for mercy. Why? Because Jesus, number one, he was walking in authority because we know Jesus said, I only say the things the Father says. I only do the things the Father tells me to do. The doctrine I teach isn't my own, but I got it from the Father. I am perfectly submitted to the Father. Therefore, I walk in authority. And this is the thing. The devil knows when you're walking in authority. The devil knows when you're walking in authority. But this man with the unclean spirit came. And what did Jesus say? I like it. You know, here's another thing Hollywood's good for doing. You know, let's get a little exorcism going on here. Give me that baby rattle full of some water. You know, I, mean, I don't know if it's a baby rattle. It ain't a baby rattle. You know, you've seen them before, right? You know, do it, you know, like they're playing the maracas or something and spitting all over you, right? Let's do this. Let's go through a little incantation. Let's get our little exorcism book out and let's let's try. Let's turn turn to page 321 in your exorcism manual. Grab your little rattle and go and say this after me. Is that how Hollywood does it? Let's make it a big deal. Let's go through a ritual. Let's say something. And, and this is what gets me is when you pray, don't pray like the heathens do because they think they're hurt because they're much repetition. That doesn't mean you don't pray a lot, but if you're just doing a mantra, I'll say it. 
If you're just running down a little string of beads repeating the same little thing over and over and over and over and over, that's you're praying like the heathens thinking you're being heard for your much saying. Right? Mistaking quantity for quality. But what did Jesus say? This man with the unclean spirit come crying out. Jesus said, be quiet and come out of him. I like what Jesus said. This, this, this is the extent of Jesus' conversations with demons. Shut up and come out. One time we can read in Scripture when he's talking to Legion, when Jesus goes, come out of him, and they don't come out. And Jesus is like, okay, because you understand Jesus was a man, and everything he did, he operated by the gifts of the Spirit. And he, was, and he knew his authority. Okay, this guy's obviously got a demon. Come out of him. And they didn't come out, and then he goes, wait a minute. Something's wrong. What's your name? Uh, Legion, because we're many. Okay, now I know what the problem is. Shut up and come out. Because there was more than one, right? Okay? But Jesus, this, this, how, this, is the, this is the Jesus exorcism manual. Turn to page one. Look at sentence one in paragraph one of page one of book one and say, shut up and come out. That's how Jesus handled them, right? Let's go ahead and take a look at another one. Um, we read this one to you. Turn to Luke chapter 8. You, you can find this in Mark chapter I think Luke 8 is the one I'm looking for. Let me see if we can find something. Luke 8. Um, Mark chapter 5, really, the, the, that first part of the chapter talks about it. Let me see. I'll turn there real quick. Mark chapter 5. I think Mark says um, says there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Here it is. Mark chapter five verse one says, "Then there came another. He came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the shackles had been broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him." And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Uh, then he saw Jesus from afar and ran and worshipped him. Um, and he cried with a loud voice, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. And he said, Come out of him, uh, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What's your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. And you know the rest of the story. They said, you know, let us go into the pigs. Jesus permitted them to go. And so the legion of demons left legion, got in the herd of swine, and the swine ran violently down the cliff into the water, and they drowned. Okay? You understand this? Is that here again we see Jesus, he is the Son of God. He is in perfect submission to the Father. He's walking in authority. And remember last week, one of the points I said was authority can be recognized. Remember the Roman centurion came to Jesus and he said, he said, I also am a man under authority. Right? He recognized Jesus is operating under authority. Well, you know, the devil can tell whether you're operating under authority or not too. That's why these demons, they knew Jesus is operating under authority. What's the authority? He submitted to God's will. He submitted to what the Father uh, wants him to do. He submitted. He, he's, he does what the Father tells him to do. Therefore, he's walking in authority, and he has authority. Amen? So um, we see this is that the first thing once you see on your sheet here to fill out is Jesus' authority over demons was the result of his submission to the will of the Father. 
Okay, and something else that we want to see about this before we move on is that Jesus exercised his authority over devils by speaking to them. Now, this is important. It might sound technical, but this is important. He spoke to them, not to not the Father. Right? Because remember, we're disciples. We want to see how did the Master do it because the way the Master did it is the way I'm supposed to do it. Right? This, this was the teaching. I tell you what to do, I show you what to do, then you do what I do. Right? Jesus told people how to do it. He showed them how to do it. Now his expectation is you do it just like I did. So this is not just a technicality. Jesus did not once in any occasion uh, that we read of any time in the Bible he cast an unclean spirit or a demon out of someone. Jesus never went, Father, I pray that you would make this demon go out of this person. He didn't. Jesus never once spoke to the Father and said, Father, cast this demon out of this person. Jesus spoke to... Why? Because Jesus was a man under authority, and as long as he was submitted to the Father, the Father told him, you do it. You do, you've been anointed by the Holy Ghost. You were baptized in the river by John the Baptist. The Holy Ghost came down on you, anointed you. The power of God came upon you. And remember, the Holy Spirit, you shall receive dunamis, or you shall receive the ability after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Well, Jesus was authorized. He had the power and the ability, the miraculous force to do it. So when Jesus spoke to demons, he didn't say, Father, make this demon go. Jesus just said, shut up and come out. Okay? So this is the thing. Uh, it, Jesus, in his authority, he spoke, uh, he spoke to the demons and caused them to go. Amen? Notice this, is that demons were fearful in Jesus' presence. That's the third thing on your sheet we want you to fill out. Demons were fearful in Jesus' presence. <clears throat> trying to think when I share this. i got a, a story to share about this. Just remember, demons were fearful in, in Jesus' presence, okay? So, so Jesus, who is our example, who is our master, who we are disciples of, that we're supposed to pattern our life after, the goal is, when the, the Bible, Jesus said, when you are perfectly trained, the disciple will be just like the master. And perfectly doesn't mean flawlessly. It means when your training is mature and complete, you're going to be just like the master, okay? Well, that was Jesus. Of course, Jesus could speak to demons and could just talk to them like dogs and tell them to get out. Well, let's take a look at something. In, uh, Mark, in Matthew 10, starting at verse 1, Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 7, and Luke chapter 9, Jesus calls the 12 to him. And if we understand when we say the 12, we're talking about the 12 uh, disciples, his, his 12 uh, closest disciples that he had. And you had Peter, James, and John were the three. But the twelve that he called to him, and it says that he gave them uh, he gave them power over unclean spirits. And, and we're not going to get into this evening just for time's sake, but you can go back and you study that, that where it says Jesus gave them power, he gave them authority. It's, it's the word exousia. I'm giving you authority over unclean spirits and to heal all manners of sickness. Hallelujah. Some people, so now you say this and some people go, oh, well, yeah, but you know, that was the 12 apostles. Sure, Jesus had authority over demons. And you know, them 12 apostles, you know, they were like God Jr. No, they weren't. You understand. Say, oh, but that was different. They walked with Jesus. Who are you walking with, darling? 
people will say some of the most ignorant things. Well, you know, they were walking with Jesus. They, they were right there with Jesus personally. Well, really, who was Jesus before he, became, before he became wrapped in flesh and came to the earth? He was the Word, right? It seems to me like we got the Word, right? And so if you're not to say, well, the twelve walked with Jesus, who are you walking with, baby? I'm walking with Jesus. I'm in the Word. I'm, I'm, I'm a student of the Word. I know what the Word says. But just to make sure that we can nullify that little argument, Luke chapter 10. Yeah, brother, that was Jesus or that was the 12, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 9, it, it gives the account of Jesus calling the 12 in and saying, I'm giving you authority over unclean spirits and I'm giving you authority over sickness. Now I'm sending you out in pairs. Amen. You go out and, and you advance the kingdom, right? Verse 10 says, after these things, after what things? After Jesus sent the 12 out, it says, uh, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and he sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he was about to go. Then he said to them, uh, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, send out laborers to the harvest. Uh, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag or knapsack or sandals and greet, uh, greet no one along the road. Um, uh, skip over to verse 17. Jesus is, so Jesus, it's not just Jesus. It's not just the 12. He's picked out 70 more. He sent them out. Verse 17 says, Then the 70 returned with joy. Does your Bible say joy? They returned with joy. The 70 returned sorrowfully because they couldn't do jack stink against the devil. Is that was it? No. It says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. Then Jesus goes on to say, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I saw the devil get spiked. He says, now verse 19 says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. <clears throat> now Jesus says, here comes the 70, man, they are pumped. They are pumped. Can you imagine how you're going to feel the first time you speak to a demon spirit? And some people say, oh, you think, well, you know, you never know, right? You're a believer, right? These signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons, right? So odds are you keep living for Jesus long enough, you're going to have the opportunity to speak to something unclean, right? Take authority over it. They came back rejoicing, and Jesus said, I give you power. King James Version says power. The New King James actually does say authority. Right? It says, Behold, I give you authority uh, over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now, serpents and scorpions are, is figurative language that represents the power of the enemy. If it's, what, you know, what's the power of the enemy? Well, this is the thing. The power of the enemy manifests in this, John 10.10. 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Is there stuff in people's life that's stealing, killing, destroying? Is there spirits of oppression? Is there sickness that's caused by demonic oppression? Are people uh, oppressed and, and have uh, just a spirit of, of, of heaviness on them and depression? And how much of what we call mental illness today is really spiritual illness? There's a spirit behind it. And I, I'm going to tell you this. A lot of the mental illness that is in this country today, it's spiritual illness that's manifesting in people's mind. And you can shove pills across the counter to them all day long and it's not going to take care of that. 
And I'm not saying that as someone that's never had anything. I've, my father was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So I'm not saying that as, oh, well, you're just saying that because you ain't never, you, don't, you just don't know, Pastor Biden. You ain't never had nobody in your family. You ain't never dealt with You ain't never seen anybody. Yes, I have. I sure have seen it. I had to go preach my daddy's funeral a month before I graduated Bible school because he committed suicide. So I do know what I'm talking about. But so, so you understand, that's just a manifestation of the enemy, the devil coming in, the power of the enemy. The, if, it, if it's stealing, killing, or destroying stuff in your life, whether it's spiritually or in your uh, physical man, or even in your, it's manifesting in the mental, you know what the Bible says is we have authority over those things. We have the right to use of power, uh, God's power, to speak to it. Now, understand this, this scripture says, I give you authority, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. That word power, when it says enemy, it, it is talking about his ability. It's not talking about the right, it, it, it is not, it's, remember I said authority is the right to use ability and, and power is the ability to actually do it. Right, like a police officer, going back to the example of a police officer, a police officer has the authority to shoot you if he has to. But if he doesn't have a gun with him, he has authority but no, uh, no ability. But if he has the badge and, he's with, and he is within uh, protocol and he has a gun, then he has the authority and the power to, to use that on you. So the power means ability. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the ability that the enemy has. Why? Why is it the enemy's ability and not his authority? Because the devil ain't got no authority over you. The devil don't have no authority over believers. Jesus, even to the point when Jesus did not, he was taken to be crucified, he said, the prince of this world is coming for me, but he has nothing. One translation says he has nothing in me. Another translation says he has no authority over me. Say, so, well, Jesus got crucified, but he submitted himself to the will of the Father because that was the plan of salvation. So Jesus is saying, I'm giving you authority, the right to use of God's power over everything, over serpents and scorpions and over all the ability of the enemy. All the ability, all the power that Satan has, everything that he has in his arsenal, Jesus is saying, I am giving you the authority, the right to use of power over everything. He says, you're going to trample it. You're going to trample it. Now take a look at that word trample. That word trample means... Go ahead and fill in your blank there. Jesus gave his disciples authority over all the power of the enemy. The next one there says, the word tread or trample, depending on your uh, what translation you're using. The word trample means to tread heavily so as to bruise, crush, or injure. I'll say that again. The word tread or trample means to tread heavily so as to bruise, to crush, or to injure. In other words, uh, we all from the south here, you understand this. Uh, how about the word, if you tell somebody, I'm going to stomp a mud hole in you. That means I'm going to tread heavily on you to bruise you, to crush you, or to cause injury. So let's just put it in the common vernacular. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the authority to stomp a mud hole in the devil and walk it dry. You're going to tread heavily on him, brother. I'm get, Jesus said, I'm giving you this authority to tread... Tread heavy on him. Don't be gentle. Tread heavy on him. Tread heavy on him as to bruise him, as to crush him, as to cause injury. You're serious. 
And so you understand, this is people that weren't even born again. And they weren't filled with the Holy Ghost yet. Jesus just spoke and delegated authority to them. And, and, and so they were operating in a measure of it. How much more should we as born again, spiritually alive to God, born again, Holy Ghost filled people, if they can walk in that authority where they've got, uh, they, where they have authority over serpents, to trample over serpents and scorpions, to tread heavily as, upon to, as, as if to bruise, crush, or cause injury to, if they can do that, what's our excuse for not walking in power? E.W. Kenyon said, if you live a life of weakness and defeat, it's because you don't know who you are in Christ. We are not some little weak, little beggarly, oh, I'm just wandering through the world as a pilgrim here, just hoping the devil don't stick his head up in a holler boo. No, Jesus said that these people here who weren't even in the new covenant and filled with the Holy Ghost yet, I am giving you the authority to stomp on the devil. Amen? And we have that. We have that ability to, to stomp on the devil. Amen? Uh, so we saw that Jesus had this authority and power. Because he had the authority, he could walk in the power. Let's put it that way. Because he had the authority, and remember, authority always comes from someone of higher rank to someone of lower rank. There are always conditions attached to walking in authority, and that condition is you must stay submitted to the authority that's above you. And so because Jesus walked, had authority, he had the right to use power because he was, it had been delegated to him from the Father and he was obedient to the Father. He did what the Father told him to do. And when he did that, he, the devil couldn't touch him and Jesus had that authority. He delegated it to the twelve and then to the seventy and said, look, I'm giving you authority. And you understand this, as long as they were obedient to Jesus and submitted to Jesus' word, they had that authority to walk in. Right? Just look at a couple other examples real quick. I'm just going to mention this real quick. Um, Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Um, Paul uh, was in a, a particular city. And you've heard the story of the young girl that was possessed of a, a, a spirit of, she had a spirit of divination. How many of y'all know you don't need to be dabbling around in horoscopes and, and Ouija boards and all this garbage? People think, well, that's just playing a joke. Oh, it's just harmless. No, there's, there's some people, are just, it's just a sham, but there are people who have spirits of divination and there are familiar spirits. And you know this, too many people, you get to dabbling around with it. And you know, they like to call in witchcraft circles, they like to call it familiar spirits. What is it? All it is is, you understand this, the devil is not omnipotent. He's not, he's not all-powerful. The devil is not omniscient. You know, that's a theological word that means all-knowing. God is omniscient. God knows everything. The devil, he doesn't know anything except what his demon spirits that, that would follow you around and can observe you do or what, he hears, or what they hear you speak and that they can report to him. The devil cannot read your mind. The devil does not know anything, does not know everything. The church has assigned way too much power. It seems like that the, too many churches have done a, 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 a too much of a job of painting a picture of a, real bad, of a real big bad devil and a weak little old Jesus. Right? But that's not the way it is. And so these people have spirits of divination. All it is is they some little demon been following you around and if you uh, if you 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 doing something here doing something there, and then that person that's operating in that spirit of divination, they start conjuring that up. They start channeling over into uh, the spirit world into the bad stuff. Then that little familiar spirit gonna come around and say, hey, you know, um, 
Jimmy got, uh, you know, he, he, he saw this one day and he was wearing this color sweater and this, that, and the other and blah, 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 and describe and give some details of something. And next thing you know, you've went to that person and that little familiar spirit's fed them just enough information of something that is actually true that you know to be the truth. Then you go, oh, my gosh, that's tr- That's right. You know, that this idiot that you saw on TV that Oprah had on, you know, all these all those years ago. Oh, I, I, ooh, I see your uncle. He's uh, he's bald headed and he has glasses and he had a gold tooth and a hair lip or whatever. And they start describing some dead relative. Well, all that guy, all that guy's doing is channeling some uh, familiar spirit that knew what Uncle Jim Bob looked like and is telling him a little something so that he can tell you a little something to get you to start putting faith in him instead of the Holy Ghost. Oh, but he acts so nice and he acts so sweet. Yes, so did the serpent. Oh, you're not going to die, baby. Go ahead and eat that fruit, right? So here's this young girl. She's operating in a spirit of divination. And Paul, you know, she's following Paul. I believe it's Paul and Barnabas around, following them around. Saying, Listen to these men. They're servants of the Most High God. I remember Brother Hagin. It's so funny. Brother Hagin would say, someone would say, well, wasn't that the truth, what she was saying? He said, yeah. He said, sure, it was the truth. He said, but who wants the devil advertising for you? Right? And you understand this. There was an ulterior motive there. That girl's walking around. Remember the story of uh, Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts that when uh, 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 I believe it was Peter and John. They were laying hands on the Samaritan believers and they were getting filled with the Holy Ghost and they were speaking in tongues because that's what the Bible says. Don't listen to these people say, well, you can get filled with the Holy Ghost and not speak with tongues. No, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you will speak in tongues every time. I can take you through the book of Acts, every place in the book of Acts where people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Spoke in tongues or spoke in tongues and prophesied. Every place. Well, it doesn't say that there. No, Simon the sorcerer came, offered uh, Peter money to buy this gift so that whoever I lay my hands on will receive the Holy Ghost. And Peter said, Your money perish with you. You have nothing to do with this, you have nothing to do with this matter. That word matter means this, uh, this speech. You have nothing to do with, with, this, with this speech. Okay? So... And you understand there was an ulterior motive there because uh, Simon, before he got born, he was a sorcerer and he had influence in the town. So the same thing over here in Acts chapter 6. This little, uh, this little seance mama walking around saying, oh, listen, these men, they're, uh, uh, they serve the Most High God. And the plan was, you know, what the motive was, was she somehow attaches herself to them to give her more credibility. Therefore, she, because you understand this, it's all about influence. You understand that the battle for your life is who are you going to submit yourself to? Because submission is really you're allowing the influence of, of uh, you're allowing a person to exert influence on you. So this woman's trying to attach herself to uh, Paul and Barnabas. Uh, Paul and Barnabas going through the town doing these great miracles in the name of Jesus, and she wants to attach herself to them. She's dropping names, the equivalent of the equivalent of what we do. Oh, dropping names. Oh yeah, well you know I know brother such and such, and I know brother such and such, and you know, and I'm friends with you know. So so that in your mind you go, oh well you know I know such and such, so you know maybe they, if they're friends with you, maybe, maybe you got some credibility. And then people start going to her, and she's not going to be telling about God. That spirit of divination, that unclean spirit, is going to try to exert influence on her and draw that person into darkness and draw them away from the true the true God, right? So Paul turns around and he just says. He, you know, he, he casts it out of her. He rebukes the, de- the unclean spirit out of her. Right? And it, it earns him a beating and a night in the jail. 
It was him and Silas, right? Because it was in the it was in Philippi. They were in the Philippian jail. So earned, you know they they get a beating for the you know no good deed will go unpunished, right? And then they get thrown into jail for it. So you understand this is that Paul he speaks to it, and it has and it has to go. Um, so it's all in the authority of Jesus. It's submitted to Jesus. Um, I want to show you one more example real quick because this reinforces what, we, what we've been trying to say about authority only comes from your degree. Remember I said last week, and this is worth writing down again, the level of authority that you walk in it is directly related to the level of submission that you walk in. The level of authority that you walk in is directly related to the level of submission that you walk in. Acts chapter 19. Some of you, you may have heard this story before. Some of you may not. You may just glanced over it and not really caught it a whole lot. I thought it's one, to me, it's one of the absolute funniest stories I've ever read in the Bible. I mean, it makes, it makes me want to laugh out loud when I read it. Acts chapter 19, we want to start with verse 11. Because I just got, I got a hilarious mental picture. I, I use my imagination. It's just hilarious to me. Acts 19.11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and evil spirits went out. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by, by the Jesus who Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. I think that's hilarious. I'm thinking, okay, here's seven guys. They probably got their little exorcism book and their little shaker. We exercise you in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. Can you imagine how limp-wristed and lily-livered that come across? Um, we, we, uh, we exercise you in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. Yeah, go away, devil. You know, you know, it probably sounds like Richard Simmons trying to cast the devil out of someone. The, the, the Jesus, not even Jesus who Paul, the Jesus who Paul preaches. Because you know, there's some other Jesuses around here. But the Jesus who Paul preaches, we cast you out. And the dude's like, and the demon just speaks up out of the guy. Um, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but I'll be knowing who you are. And jumped on him and beat seven of them down, stripped them off buck naked, and they run them out of the house. Now, I'm thinking, that's a funny picture to me. I got a vivid imagination, and I can see seven buck naked guys running out the house bleeding and one scrawny little demon-possessed dude whooping down on all of them. Why? Because they go in, and this is the thing. Um, you understand this? What this is the principle of authority. Authority is al always flows down from someone of higher rank to someone of lower rank. It always has conditions attached to it, and the condition is you are submitted to the authority, the person who gave you the authority. Jesus is not these guys' lord. Because you understand, we did teaching on lordship. It says, "If you will, you know what the, the word say. The word is not even in thy uh, mouth." Uh, in the heart and in your mouth is the word that you speak, that if you make a covenant with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, that he's supreme in authority in your life, and you believe in your heart God's raised from the dead, you'll be, you'll be saved. These guys go in, they ain't got no authority. 
to even use the name of Jesus. Why? Because they're not submitted to him. It would be like me going up and saying, you know, in the name of the city of Atlanta, you stop, you know, me pulling my gun on someone saying, in the name of the city of Atlanta, get out of your car and, and give it to me. Well, guess what? If boys in black and white cars with light flashing lights on top of them pull back up and they, they see me pulling a gun on someone trying to take them out of the car, guess what? They think I'm carjacking, pow, pow, right? Why? Because this is the thing. I ain't got no authority to do that. You can't try to you cannot try to exercise authority. If I if I'm not on the police force of a particular city and abiding by the I don't have the right to do these sons of Sceva, they were not Jesus was not their Lord. You understand this is a whole different story if they're born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and they go, In the name of Jesus, come out. The story ends different. They're sitting around uh, sharing a happy meal with a little demon possessed guy shortly thereafter, right? The story ends like Legion. He's there, the guy is sitting with him clothed and in his right mind. That's how the story ends if Jesus is their Lord and they're born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. But these guys are just a bunch of charlatans going in trying to exercise authority that they have no right to because they're not submitted to the person from whom the authority flows. Right? So I'll say this. One reason that too many people in the body do speak and their words carry no authority is because they are not submitted to uh, because I'm sorry I will tell you flat out and you'll never convince me anything different God places people in the body where it pleases him now you go into church someplace that God didn't tell you to go or you can say God told me to go there and God didn't no more tell you to go there than nothing you're not submitted to God and this is the thing you will not will not will not Walk in authority. You'll speak to sickness, it'll stay. You'll speak to unclean spirits, they'll stay. You'll speak to circumstances, and it's not going to change. Why? Because you're not, you're not submitted to authority. Because this thing, you, darling, you just don't go to church any place you, uh, you darn well want to. You go to church where the Bible says that God places us in the body where it pleases Him. Too many people go where they want to go. They don't bother to ask God, God, what body would you have me join to? And when God said, if God says, I remember when I went to New Life Church in Huntington, West Virginia, when I had to leave the church I grew up in, the church I carried ordination papers for for, uh, for seven years to preach the gospel, when I, had to, when I left that, and you understand, I wasn't mad. They didn't make any decisions I didn't like. It was the Holy Spirit. Everything was good, and I was in good standing with everybody. Just God said, I'm calling you to someplace different. And I went, God didn't tell me, oh, you know, just go find you some church where they speak in tongues and have some good music. He didn't tell me that. The Holy Spirit said, I've called you. Go to New Life Church and submit yourself to Daryl Huffman as your pastor. And I did that. Okay? God has a specific place. Most people don't give a flying rip. But it's sad to say, too many people in the body, they don't care about where they're going to go. I'll go where I want to. It's a free country. No, you ain't in for you ain't in for. I'm sorry, are you still a citizen of the United States of America or are you a citizen of the kingdom? Because if you're in the kingdom, the king tells you where to go and the king tells you what to do. And if you don't submit to the king's will, then you're not submitted and you invalidate any chance that you have of walking in authority. And it doesn't matter. And this is the thing. It doesn't matter if it's 20 years later. If you ain't went back and done and made what's right. If you've never went back to God and said, God, okay. Because this is the thing. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying if somebody left a, a, a church and refused to submit to a pastor and 20 years later they got to go hunt back, back, go back to that church and hunt that pastor. Because God's plan might change. Because you understand there are windows of opportunity. 
in the Spirit. Now, there are, just like in the world, you know, they said there's a window of opportunity, and sometimes windows close, and you can't, and you can't, you can't go back to a time because that time's passed, and then you need to seek God and say, okay, God, where do I need to be? Where do you want me planted now? I realize I did that wrong, and I'm wrong, and I, and I ask you to forgive me. Where do I need to be? Because I want to be in the right place that you want me in the body and be submitted so that I can, be, so that I can operate and I can walk in authority. So that when I speak to things, when I, when, I, when, I, when I attempt to exercise my authority, that it makes an impact. Amen? You understand? Um, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, the sons of Sceva did not have authority over the unclean spirit because of the man because they were not submitted to the authority of Jesus. Amen? Now, i got some more notes, but I'm going to stop. I, this is a good place to stop, and I can get to it next week. But let me ask you these. Uh, well, <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to ask the questions because the questions I have are actually applicable to the rest of the, of the notes. Next week, we're going to take a look at, uh, you know, if we've looked at, um, we'll probably just call it Exercising Authority Over the Devil and Demons Part 2 next week. We're going to take a look at this. How do we practically... You know, we've actually we've talked more about casting out demons, casting out unclean spirits. But then we want to talk about next week about resisting the devil. Do you know you you have to, you have to resist the devil, right? You have, just like you resist temptation, you got to resist the devil. Just like you got to resist the temptation to go eat that Snickers ice cream bar. Forgive me, Father. Amen. We have to do some resisting. So next week we'll take a look at that. Amen. So uh, let's pray. We want to pray. We want to give you the opportunity to sow into the kingdom this evening. Amen. Thank God that he supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Amen.